sowing the seed. And then sometimes you're out there weeding that and pruning people. And sometimes you're fertilizing a little bit more. And then every once in a while, here comes the harvest. And sometimes when you get to be a whole part of that, from taking the rocks out to reaping the harvest, that's when you go back and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that I didn't give up at some point in my ministry. As we celebrate Jane's 80th birthday and the partnership between he and Hunjan, Helen, see, I still remember that. They modeled a valuable lesson to all of us, and it's, it's simply this lesson. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what season of life you find yourself in. See, the harvest is coming whether you know it or not. And I'm talking about the abundant blessing that God wants to shower upon each and every one of us as we continue to work in his kingdom, even as Gene has worked for 50 years and, and probably a few more, because he doesn't know how to quit either. So don't grow weary in well-doing. The harvest is coming. We just need to make sure that we're ready for it. And so that's really kind of the message today is kind of a reminder to you what Gene has been practicing and has been modeling for you, what Pastor Buss preaches and models for you, what your other great pastors you've had here over the years have preached and modeled for you. What should you do to make sure that you're ready too when that harvest time comes? Well, we need to go back to the Old Testament for just a bit to Malachi. You all know who Malachi is, right? Wrong? Okay, well, you ought to get familiar with him, because when you get to heaven someday, it can be pretty embarrassing when he comes up and introduces himself, and you go, who are you? What did you do? Well, if you don't know where it is, you ought to have your Bibles, and by the way, you ought to have them here all the time. But if you can probably find Matthew, then when you get Matthew, turn left and go back a few pages, and you get to Malachi, a prophet who wrote about 400 years before Jesus came, and he wrote a message that initially sounds like a lot of law. He told these people, you have not taken your sacrifices seriously. In other words, you didn't practice church the way you ought to practice church. They married people that they should not have been married. They, they were unequally yoked and they were dragging in all these pagan religions. They failed to pay their tithe. See, that's one pastors preach all the time. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into my storehouse. You know, that, that text and everything. But yet, in the midst of all the stuff they weren't doing, what did they do when trouble came? Then they turned to God for help. But yet they were too stubborn to change who they were. So Malachi has this message, and he says, these are the areas that you have wandered away in. There's the law. But then he comes and he says, but... And I always tell people when I preach, there's always a but, isn't there? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He says, you people are bad, you're sinners, you've gotten off the track, but here's how you get back on the track. And he kind of summarizes this when he talks about how the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you're going to go out and you're going to leap like calves released from the stall. Now, Gene, I don't know when the last time was you felt like leaping. Probably yesterday when you saw me. <laughs> but, you know, when I read this passage, you know, what Malachi is really saying here is that 
God wants us to enjoy life. He's talking about energy and enthusiasm and zest for life and zest for the ministry in which God has called us, whether we are pastors or teachers or deaconesses or directors of Christian education or vicars or whether we are what we sometimes say we're just members. But see, folks, we're all in this together. And God wants to give us a blessing, an abundance of blessing of healing and leaping. And he says, I want to give it to his people. And when he says his people, he means you and me, or as we say down in Texas, all y'all. That's who's going to get it. Now, how do we get there? Well, simply, if you want to experience a harvest, you need to move in harvest direction. And so there is a phrase uh, that Paul uses. It says, return to me and I will return to you. Now, what God is asking us today or telling us in the text is really, what direction are you moving today? And is the direction that you're moving today taking you in the direction of the harvest? For 50 years, you saw Gene Willie moving in the direction of the harvest. What was in the back of his mind? Maybe he wasn't always conscious, but as he was following the Lord's will. As you follow Pastor Bus these days, what direction is he going? Where is he taking you? Now, he may say it sometimes very boldly and in big letters so people can see it. He preaches it. But, you know, in the back of his mind, he's following God's will and God's direction. When I left here at my farewell, I remember Ethel Miles. Anybody remember Ethel? Ethel got up and she said, we didn't always agree with you when you were here, but we always knew that you were doing it for the right reason. That's a pretty nice way to leave any church. You were doing it for the right reason. Well, what Malachi is saying here is that your direction determines your destination. Now, if you get on I-39, for example, and you head south, where are you going to end up? Well, for me, later tomorrow, it'll be Bloomington, Illinois, because that where you're going is where you're going to arrive. Now, a couple of weeks ago, when I preached my last sermon, it was a farewell sermon at First Lutheran in Texas, Texarkana, I talked about a football coach by the name of George Allen, who on his desk had a little plaque that said, Is what I'm doing right now taking me closer to the goal of winning? In other words, each and every day he was asking himself, Are my feet in the right direction? Am I going where God has called me to go? Now, in the days of Malachi, the people were not necessarily going where God wanted them to go. And he actually tells them that ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned your back on me. And then he says, but return to me. Your direction that you're going determines your destination. It always reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. You all know that story. There was a point at which he was on his hands and knees in front of the hog trough. And the Bible says, when he came to his senses. Now what happened when he came to his senses? He got up and he changed his direction. He went home. I thought about it again this morning as we went through the confession and absolution. I know this is not a, a great picture, but it's like we've come before the hog trough and we're on our knees and we suddenly realize we've not been who we've been called to be. And we acknowledge, if we actually think about those words, the things that we've done, the things that we've left undone this week. And man, I was sitting there before and I was actually, I kind of got lost in the train of thought. I was like, what hadn't I done this week that was, I should have been doing? Was there something that I should have been doing this week that I, I didn't get around to do? 
See, the principle for a lot of Christians is we just kind of wobble all over the path and we never really think about where we're going or where our final destination is. But this is where God comes back and he says, return to me and I will return to you. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you kind of went off the track. But return to me. He says, after all, I came to give you blessings. I came to give you life and I came to give you abundant life. That's kind of the law of the harvest. And it's the same law of the harvest that Paul talks about when he says, do not be deceived. Don't, you know, don't, God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So ask yourself sometimes, what are you sowing right now? You know, is the way that you speak to your children or the way you speak to your spouse taking you in the direction of becoming a family blessed by God? In your job, are you sowing seeds of harmony? Or are you the person that they all wish would go to another company? Are you moving in the direction God would call you? Are you preparing yourself for this life of abundance? Getting ready for the blessings, whatever they may be, wherever they may come, however God chooses to give them to you. And every time I hear, hear that question, I, I think to myself, you know, it's like God saying, Barry, you get, need to get back on the track. I mean, I'll be the first to admit to you that even though my regular habit each and every day is worship and prayer and Bible study, there are days that I kind of get off track. And then I'm sitting in my office wondering why I don't particularly feel very good, why things don't. And it's like God going, excuse me, excuse me, worship, Bible study, prayer. Maybe you need to get back on track. Get back. Well, there's a second thing I want you to remember, and that's that your daily direction determines your ultimate destination. This is where a lot of people fail to experience the harvest. It's because they don't do it daily. Now, I said, mentioned before, each and every day I want to spend time in worship. Each and every day I want to spend time in prayer. Each and every day I want to spend time in God's Word. It's a daily thing. There are a lot of Christians who have a general idea where they want to end up, But they're not really daily practicing what we would be calling the spiritual disciplines. And as a result, they kind of wobble all over and get off the path from time to time. So we need to make sure that in every area of our life, we're moving in the direction that God is calling us. Not just every now and then, not just Sunday morning or, let's see, Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 8, 9, 30 or 11. We just kind of come and punch the clock and say, God, well, we're here. Now we're going to go do what we want to do and forget about worship and Bible study and prayer until the next time we come and punch the clock one more time. Let me ask you, do you want your family to be blessed? Then move in the direction of a God-centered family. Do you want your church to be blessed? Then move in the direction of where God is calling you. Do you want to leave a lasting legacy? I get bonus points for using the word legacy, as I understand. (laughs) So I've mentioned the word. I want to read to you some words that reflect a lasting legacy. I quote, What can one say when a proposal is made of a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be honored by being identified with a greatly needed Christian charity of helping others? People lacking in some of the basic necessities of life are all around us for people in Christ to help in their need. 
When we were approached to consider being part of this act of love for people in need in our community, our thought was that we would be more than honored. Helen and I are truly humbled at being named and thus honored this way. And by the mercies of our Lord, we pray for a renewed outpouring of love and human care for those in need, both here at home and beyond Boone County. God bless this caring ministry of his devoted people. Gene and Helen, that's your lasting legacy. Caring for people. You know, and they didn't just learn this by like one day, oh, let's just do this one day and see how it goes. It's an each and every day. I got to spend five years with this guy. Each and every day I saw him caring for people. That's why Paul would say, let's not grow weary. Let's not give up. I mean, let's keep on going. It's a daily process. But the other interesting thing is your ultimate destination is always a little bit closer than it used to be. In verse 7, it says, return to me and he will return to you. Now, it's said that there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know how, if that's close or whatever. But every promise, as I've studied them, has a, prom, a premise and a promise. I'll give you an example. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make straight your paths. See, the promise is what? He'll, he'll make your paths straight. That's the promise. But what is the premise? Trust in the Lord, lean not on your understanding, acknowledge Him. And here we have a promise. It says He's going to come to you, but He asks us to return to Him. He meets us literally halfway, so that every time we take a step toward God, God is coming. It's almost like we take two steps. Let's go back to that story of the prodigal son one more time. Remember when he finally got up off his hands and knees, came to his senses? He's headed home, and his father, the tech, in, in Luke 15... I think I have it up there. There it is. Uh, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with compassion. My favorite Greek word, splonknitzomai. He felt it in his guts. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. See, friends, that's the kind of God we have. A God who meets us halfway. Now, I grew up in Nebraska where we had a saying that if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, it'll change. Well, one day in the spring when I was maybe a freshman in high school, it was a nice morning, so I left. I had a short sleeve shirt on. Well, while I was in class, I didn't realize that the weather completely shifted around and got really cold. And I was walking the five blocks back home, and this is in the day when kids could actually walk places without worrying about being abducted. And about halfway, maybe after a block, I was really cold. My hands felt like ice cubes, and I'm not particularly proud to say this, but I started to cry. It's only a five-block walk, and I'm crying. I'm cold. And then an amazing thing happened. I looked up, and there was my grandma. And some of you maybe remember, my grandparents raised me. And my grandma was there, and she was holding my hat and coat and my gloves. Obviously, she realized things had changed, and she was out there to meet me. I mean, what a great memory. Now, I'm a whole lot tougher today. I rarely ever cry when it gets cold. Of course, that's why I also live in Texas. Now, here's the point. We have a God that does the same thing. When we come to our senses, 
He meets us halfway. It says if we confess our sins, what? He, he's like right there. He said, I, I, I want to forgive you all your sins. I want to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. When, he, when you draw near, he draws closer to you. And so that harvest of blessing that God has promised doesn't get keep pushing off. But as you keep marching forward in faith, you know, powered by the Holy Spirit each and every day, it's like the gap is closed. I mean, God has this wonderful promise for his people. Well, probably a good promise. It says, let us not, it's the same one I did before. He said that, uh, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Now, my question is, how do you want to be harvest ready, like Jane and Helen? How do you want to be harvest ready? Well, very simple. Each and every day you move in the direction God has called you. My life motto, and I left it with you many years ago, I think I left you with a little dot to put on your watch, vision, mission, passion. I don't know that I go through a single day, I don't think about that, to see the vision, the vision of a past, present, and future with my God. To live the mission, and there is only one mission. I don't care whether you want to take it from Matthew 28 or if you want to take it from Mark, or one of my favorites is in Acts chapter 1, that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses, and you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You move in God's direction each and every day. And guess what happens? Just like Jane and Helen, it's no longer one step forward and two steps back. It's always one step forward and two steps closer to home. Jean and Helen, thanks. You guys have meant so much to me and Nancy and my family. I know you mean a lot to Pastor Bus. You mean a lot to people. I mean, my gosh, how many people could you possibly influence in 50 years? At least two or three. <laughs> many, many more. Enjoy this weekend because this weekend people are taking note of the legacy. Your lasting leadership legacy. But I have a sneaking feeling I'll be back for your 90th. God willing. we got a great hymn to sing. We're going to sing about prophets, priests, and apostles. <laughs>